0: So, hello and welcome to the first monthly kind of roundtable concept that we're going to be doing uh, with myself, uh, Frank, UFO Thinker podcast, and also these two gentlemen here with me today as well, Ash and Greg. Hello. From the uh, the Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast, and uh, Ash also the uh, founder of UFOidentified.co.uk. And uh, we're going to be doing these kind of... Monthly roundups of all of the various different things that have been going on. Quite a relaxed format of just us chatting about things and what's been happening, and uh, you know, talking about any other sighting reports or anything exciting that's coming through through uh, UFO identified and any paranormal goings on that that you guys have got to report on as well. How are you doing yeah. today,
1: chaps? Then, yeah, God, I think we picked uh, a good time to do the first. Episode of this with all the uh, recent events. I think, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it. Yeah, yeah
0: definitely. Quite, quite funny, isn't it? how uh, we, we were talking about. The, we, I mean, we we must have planned to do this like two months ago.
1: Yeah,
0: and then the like literally the couple of weeks right before we do the first one, all hell breaks loose, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. What you guys been um, up to much in general?
2: No, not really. Just uh, recording, recording. Recording, in, um, <laughs> trying to trying to get ahead of ourselves, but yeah, no, that's, that's it really, just revolving around. As you know, doing a podcast is quite a labour intensive thing behind the scenes, getting people and researching and recording, and so you've, we've been <laughs> just trying to do lots of that and try and keep up with, with events.
1: Yeah. yeah. So Likewise, be, I've got a week off work and we trying to catch up with all the, the UK database, the sightings database and obviously planning the uh, all events that we put on as well Is uh, takes up a lot of time, but it's uh, it's all good stuff as well. How about you, Frank?
0: Same here, mate. Just extremely hectic and um, I had a, I had a few like uh, interviews and, and things like that, guests that I'd already had booked in for the last couple of weeks and then obviously everything kicked off with the hearing. So it's just kind of been really its good, but really busy and mm. trying to keep on top of it and feeling like I'm just about keeping my head above water all the time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Super intense. I've got another four uh, recordings for shows to do this week um, as well. And then I think I'm going to have a bit of a breather for a week or two and, and just let the shows kind of go out, you know, schedule things to go out. So yeah, I yeah. need that. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's good to have a bit of a step back and have a look at the bigger picture, you know. So, um, yeah, you guys got some uh, some some guests coming up on the show. Then is there anything in particular you want to mention?
2: We we're just trying to to get out stories of um, experiences that not necessarily people have heard of
1: um, so much. Um, this week we had Sasha Christie on. Mm. Uh, for this week's episode. And cool. her, her encounter in 1997 in Wales, on holiday in Wales, is a fascinating and terrifying experience that her and her family went through. And yeah. talking to her for hearing her story, and the what she's gone through in the 25 years since it happened in 1997. It's just been incredible. So that's a really interesting episode that went out this week yeah, and, on our podcast. So yeah, really interesting yeah. story.
2: And it's also interesting the fact that we're speaking to more and more people that are having the ufo uh, and uap experiences but also having poltergeist and paranormal experiences either alongside before or after their experience so it seems to be a common theme coming up as well so
0: mm. yeah that's interesting i was i was actually um finding the same kind of things myself some of the people experiences that I've been speaking to, and I actually had yeah philip mantle uh on the, on the uh, i interviewed him last week show's not actually gone out yet um but he's got a new book um u f o landings u k which has just come out, and a lot of the cases in that that was talking to him about similar things you know people just like paralyzed with fear and when, when they've been in a certain situation and things like that and yeah, I mean, it's the more I, the more I get into the, all this stuff, the more you realize that there is that similarity a lot of the time, isn't there, with the more paranormal side of things.
1: Yeah, for yeah. sure. That, like we've been doing the podcast for eighteen months now, and that sort of been a link. The whole every episode we've done, there's always been some sort of link between the different aspects of the paranormal, and it's been evident throughout. And it's just like blowing my mind a little bit because I never considered that they were the same. Or that they were connected. It was all separate departments but now 18 months on i'm like it's definitely connected it's definitely something that links all these different ufos ghosts cryptids all together it's just insane mm.
0: Definitely. so i think we should um unless you've got anything you want to add to that uh greg
2: no 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 no
0: let's have a, a delve into these recent events then eh? so obviously over this last uh week uh, there's been some pretty historic things going down the uh, the recent UFO hearings were for the first time in over 50 years there's actually been open congressional hearings on the UFO Uap issue and uh, Ronald Moultrie the top Pentagon intelligence official and Scott Bray the deputy Director of Naval Intelligence were brought in for questioning before a subcommittee of the House Intelligence Committee and uh, some pretty interesting things came up so have you guys got any thoughts overall before we get into some more specific points what you what did you guys reckon of the of the whole thing
2: so from someone who's more of a i say non-ufo person that is not where my my uh skill set is um it was what i expected there was no Massive announcement. Um, obviously, we'll get into some of the details, but I think from what I was seeing online on Twitter, uh, people like building up to it, and then it, like polls everywhere saying, "Is it going to be what you expected? Is it going to be less than you expected? Is it going to be nothing at all?" It kind of, I think, from my point of view, seemed to tick the box of they've done enough to satisfy the majority of people, but that was just my, my sort of view. There were some good bits that I thought come out of it, but, um, I don't think there was anything too groundbreaking from, from what I got from it.
1: For me, I think I'm a little bit, probably a bit more optimistic than, than Greg, <laughs> a bit more hopeful. Um, but I just have them talking about it just to, when they're questioning and they using like alien life, talking about extraterrestrial off-world technology. And the talking with sincerity when they're talking about it. It's not in a jokey way. The answering questions have, like, yeah, we will be considering this and that. They're not just taking it off the table. So I think that for me was quite. A, I obviously would go, like, say, we go into specifics of what they're talking about. But just to have the conversation with some of the language that they're using for me, it's quite like, groundbreaking for me that they are using this in public, open hearings. Mm. What about you? Yeah, definitely.
0: Pretty much the same. I mean, I had, it all depends on your your actual sort of like um, your expectations of what's actually going to happen. And my expectations were really low. low. They were low anyway, but I'd sort of convinced myself to keep them low, you know, so that I don't get disappointed sort of thing. And with that in mind, I was actually quite, on a first watch, I was quite pleasantly surprised at some of the things that were being brought up and there seemed to be even from before the actual thing happened, before the hearing actually happened, there were some positive signs, like the way that the you know the various spokespeople were talking about it in press statements to the press. They were describing it as an important matter, which in itself is quite a positive thing, I think. You know, because yeah. if they'd have just said, "Yeah, we're, we're looking at it," you know, trying to downplay it, that's one thing. But they were actually describing it as an important matter, and I think that actual wording was also you know common to a few of the different uh you know press release statements so it's clear that they, they decided on that wording so i guess the question is like are they actually trying to make out that they're taking it seriously or are they actually taking it seriously and genuinely committing to being you know taking this thing seriously and being more transparent that's because that's debatable actually okay. what do you guys think do you think they are trying to come across that way, but really they're just trying to downplay it, or do you think they're at, this is an actual step towards them, you know, really being more transparent and, and taking it seriously?
1: I think it is a step. I mean I was impressed by like the number of the representatives that were asking the questions and the knowledge that they seem to have. That like, they clearly have if whether it was a pre interest in it or whether they've been looking into it like since the task force report, but they seem to generally have some knowledge and wanting to get answers from him. And I think with them, whether the like, the the um, officials from the like, UAP department itself, whether they're just obviously playing by the rule book, by the playbook, but the ones asking the questions, I think they were genuine. And I think if if you got them type of people, going to be pushing it. then I think we will see the steps sort of made towards actually getting some sort of openness from them this time around.
0: Mm. How about you,
1: Greg? yeah
2: I, I definitely got the impression that it it didn't feel like it was staged to put on like a public performance as it were it, it like ash just said they genuinely the, the people asking the questions genuinely seemed to know what they were on about and they were they seemed genuinely interested in what the responses might be the conversation seemed um sort of well-prepared they weren't sort of doing a lot of it on the fly there and like you mentioned there was certain terminology used it did it, it all seem to me when i watched it it seemed that there was definite interest and definite sort of some kind of commitment that it didn't just seem like it was set up for the cameras if if that makes sense it just mm. it wasn't just a a public performance mm. to sort of say right well we need to say something because these videos like the tic-tac stuff come out and we've said it's kind of unknown or, or whatever. So we, we've we got to go through this process. It didn't feel like they were just going through a process. It felt like there was a genuine conversation taking place. And they talked about the, the report opening, the reporting, all those kind of things. They showed a video that I hadn't seen before. Um, and they were they were asking questions about it rather than just saying, oh, that's a, Swamp Gas or whatever, whatever mm. it used to be called. So yeah, no, I genuinely felt like it was it was a a purposeful conversation rather than just a, a public show. Mm. What do you reckon?
0: So I, I I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, my first my first impressions because I had such low expectations were like, wow, you know, there's a video, you know, like oh, you know they're mentioning things like taking it quite seriously and stuff like that which was definitely a positive thing. And even just a commitment to thinking of this as an important matter, as they were saying in the wording and so on, that sort of did shine through throughout the actual thing as well. They definitely want to be seen to be committing to taking this seriously. But then sort of on reflection after the the following days and watching it again and that kind of thing, I did start to sort of second guess things a little bit more. Like, for example, that video to me was seems like it must have been selected to sort of make people think that the the general quality of videos and data that they've that they've got is pretty poor because I mean that video for me was pretty underwhelming i mean it was just a tiny little dot you know it was that whole ridiculous scene of like trying to find it and the, oh, guy, the guy was i'm <laughs> glad you I, said that I, th- I think it was um it was a representative shift and he was literally saying like well, what are we looking at again there and they had to try and find yeah. it and oh, it they couldn't find they couldn't
2: they couldn't stop the video properly and then yeah. he, he ended up just sort of pointing at the screen going there it is <laughs> there yeah it is. exactly <laughs> they didn't even have a still image that's what that's what. Yeah, you, that was the next see, thing I was going to come on to. Is just yeah, yeah. But
0: you see, I think that that was probably selected on purpose because I mean, from what we've heard from the other, you know, classified briefings, anybody who's been in attendance for those briefings, they've they've come out saying it was very compelling and things like that. And I can't imagine that that video was what they saw. So I think there probably is a lot more compelling footage than that, and they've chose that you know on the one hand on the surface it sort of seems like they're saying look you know here's a video we're being open with you guys you know the videos here you can see it we're giving you a video and then actually the video's rubbish kind of thing so i think there's a bit of that going on there where they're trying to make out that they're being open and presenting videos to the public that haven't been seen but actually the video they're presenting is probably not an actual representation of the the quality of what they've really got. Um,
2: Is is this, though, them, like we've mentioned before when we've spoken about like the drip, drip, drip of some kind of whatever disclosure might be, is that they think that'll be enough to sort of satisfy people for now. And it was just enough that you couldn't really see what it was. It went really fast. It clearly looked like some kind of spherical object, but... There wasn't too much data that people could uh, sort of interrogate, um, and maybe that was them ticking that little drip, drip, drip of disclosure. I don't know what you guys think. I, I'm talking from a sort of like a, uh, a Joe public on the street type of view of it, rather than with your knowledge. But
1: I mean, he did say that because one of the representatives asked if like, there was any sensor data that went with the video, mm. and the mm. response was that's what the closed hearing. Yes. Yeah. So I was implying that there is, there is some other data with that video. So why show only half and then not mm. release? Why why would they say, oh, you've got this video with the data, they'll show one bit of it to the public but not the other bit? Mm. Why wouldn't they keep it either all closed or all open? That bit didn't make sense to me. Do you think they showed all the video? Because it
2: kind of was over before it really began. It was like, what, eight or nine seconds and it was all like less than half a second of the, the UFO because at one point it looks like they it like it's almost at the end. It looks like a like a rear view mirror on the side and it wasn't, but it just seemed that there wasn't, wasn't much there. It's, it's difficult to say, isn't it? I mean,
0: I think um, Bray actually mentioned, the, I've not got the exact quote, but there was a bit where he was basically saying that this is an example of why we're struggling to identify things because in some cases we have this vid something like this where you're just getting a glimpse and i think he actually said um in in other cases we have a lot less in other words like you know this this sometimes they're even worse than this one sort of thing you know um but the thing is for me going back to what you were saying uh, there greg is like it's a good it's a good example of how a video can be Compelling if you've got the bigger picture, but without that bigger picture, there's not really a lot you can say. I mean, you know, like the FLIR, the Tic Tac uh, FLIR video, where you've got this, like, basically like a blob, Tic Tac shaped blob, and, and it sort of just shoots off to the side. Imagine if they'd have presented that video, but without any context, it wouldn't have been particularly compelling on its own. But when you add into the fact that you've got all these pilots that have seen it, the fact that it's been in all these different sensor systems, and like you said, Ash, as well, this video actually has apparently got other sensor data involved as well and if like again you know if there's a longer version of that video where the jet then circles around and approaches it again and this time you can get a much clearer you know view of it and also you add into that other testimonies from perhaps other pilots other sensor data that actually could be quite a compelling case but just as it is with what we've seen it could be anything and you don't have that bigger picture awareness you know what i mean
1: you can hope that, Hopefully, they knew he had his phone out because they knew that there was something weird. So you'd think that they wouldn't just, oh, it's gone. Okay, let's carry on with what we were doing. You'd think that, well, you'd hope that they would, like you say, turn around, try and track it, whatever. You've got the sense data. So, yeah, it's, maybe it does make sense that there would be more more to it than what we have been shown so far anyway. Mm. See,
2: there was no sound on the video either, so you don't know what the guy was saying on his mobile phone. <laughs> Yeah, So he might have been saying, "I can't." Well, could have been anything, couldn't it? Uh, yeah. So the other thing, I mean, this is
0: getting a bit conspiratorial, but like it does occur to me. So you know, um, let's th- go. Th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about <laughs> to go deep, um, but but yeah, what what I was thinking, it, you know, there's always the possibility that 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 was a balloon, say for example, or something relatively, you know, prosaic sort of thing, but. They're, they're not going to reveal that they know it's a balloon they'll get everybody a little bit excited and then down the line they can say oh well you got excited about that and it was just a balloon sort of thing just to sort of sow a seed of doubt that actually you know like if there is some kind of obfuscation you know attempt going on here that they're trying to present that video for a specific reason that sort of thing has just occurred to me that that, that might be part of what they're trying to do there but again that is quite conspiratorial but you know who knows
1: Site like towards the end, when I think it was Bray, um, was talking about other reports in the future, and that if there's no sort of risk to defence or to the intelligence, that they would release any reports that they get, any information that we get. But it's whether it's still hiding behind that risk to security, so we can't release anything, or whether they will, or whether it does be some these videos like this that that'll be all we'll get. We won't get anything because that video is not a risk to intelligence or defence capabilities, so they release it there's anything, will we get anything that's better than that? So it's just, I think there's, there's a lot, I think it's very easy for them to hide behind a mm-hmm. lot of terminology and that will probably be the biggest factor in getting anything out in the future. But I think
2: though now, based on like the current events that are going on in the world with Russia and Ukraine, that they can't even go down that it's possibly adversarial like technology. Because if it was, surely Russia if it was Russian or Chinese, that they would have obliterated Ukraine by now. Mm. So they, they, they can't even go, well, we think it might be an adversary of ours. Clearly it's not. Otherwise, the war would be over before it began, you would, you would think. That's my personal opinion. So are they, like you say, going to just hold that balloon story till later on and go, well, actually with the other sensors it's likely it was a balloon mm. you just never
0: know you know it's, it's like uh like you you guys were saying you know they are making a commitment to release more videos in the future mm. but are they just saying that now and then down the line they'll say oh well we've had a look at all the videos and unfortunately we can't really release any but you've seen that that one that we showed you at the hearing that's kind of all oh, we've got they're all a bit rubbish you know or or actually are they trying to be more transparent, and this is a genuine effort to be more transparent with the public. I mean, the optimist would like to think that that is the case, but just uh, I've got a couple of quotes here actually, just regarding the uh, adversarial hmm. uh, technology and all the rest of it. And um, uh, this is a few bits that I was talking about on the episode that I did um, a few days ago, uh, and it's uh, 48 minutes 55. Uh, the um, the question is asked about the 18 objects mentioned in the UAP task force report uh, last year that demonstrated uh, advanced technology. And the question was asked, quote, are we aware of any adversary capable of moving without any discernible means of propulsion, unquote, and Bray responded to that with, quote, we're not aware of any adversary that can move an object without discernible means of propulsion, unquote. So that seemingly does confirm that at least some of these cases can't be explained by adversarial tech, or at least Mm -hmm. they're not aware of an adversary that can do that. And you would think that they would be aware, at least partially. And then there's another one as well where he says, uh, this is a uh, one hour, 30 minutes exactly. Uh, Bray's asked about secret US vehicles as well. And he says, "quote We are quite confident that that is not the explanation." Unquote. And I think he actually also mentions just after that that there was maybe one that that, that, that there's a grey area, but I think all the rest of them is quite confident that that's not the case. But yeah. then again, you know, is it is that the fault the whole story? What do you guys think? Do you think if it's any-
1: that oh. if it's that dark of a project, then I think it would go beyond what they're being told by other departments. Mm. They wouldn't let them get that information
2: or would do or they wouldn't want to put out to the public that it's definitely not their own tech because they've just said it's not the adversary so they'd need some some kind of show of technology to say well it could, could be ours we're not entirely sure because mm-hmm. then it's still because if not everybody's on a level playing field again um and it's like that show of show of force. You, they're showing that they might have technology that is better than the Russians or the Chinese, but without saying no, we haven't, or yes, we have. They're non-committal. I would mm. say, yeah. There's always though. that. Yeah,
0: there's there's always that chance, isn't there? That that you know there is a, a really sort of secret, you know aircraft or some kind of secret tech that that they wouldn't be aware of that maybe is being developed in some kind of really deeply darkly hidden you know program within the u.s military or something like that but it's it's just that's the thing about all this isn't it i always think of it as just like the curtain of secrecy isn't it and there's things going on behind that curtain we have no idea about and you just all you can do is try and piece together the little bits from people who've come out from behind the curtain. You know, we've seen a few of the things behind there and nobody can talk about what they've seen behind the curtain. He's just going off hints. It's so difficult, isn't it, to actually get to the bottom of. But You've today, got to think
1: that China and, and Russia, they you know they're busy at the minute, but they're going to still be paying close attention to what the what this, this hearing and what they think they could have. It's got to, obviously, it's, it is defence. Orientate, isn't it? So and that's the whole reason. So have got to think China and the others are paying close attention as well, as as well as the public are. Mm-hmm. And I think they can't come out and say
2: hundred percent it's not our technology. Because if they do, they're essentially saying it's not our enemy, it's not us. We haven't really got a clue what it is. 'Cause that's mm. that could be even worse to so be just saying, Well, we're being Earth's being penetrated by these technology that we don't know where it's coming from. We can't seem to get any information on it apart from what our senses pick up. And essentially, we know about as much as you do. Mm. I know they, they will know more, but essentially they, they can't seem to stop it. They haven't captured anything. It's not the Russians or the Chinese. And they're quite confident that most of it's not American. So what, what yeah. is it?
0: I suppose it's all about how, how things progress forward from that initial hearing, isn't it? Because like you say, they're sort of hinting at, well, it's, it's very likely to not be ours. It's very likely to not be an adversary. And they have kind of said all this before in the UAP task force mm-hmm. report as well. Yeah. But the question is, when's the point when they actually start saying, all right, what actually is it then? <laughs> you know, and that's when it's going to get really interesting, isn't it? In potentially in, in you know future hearings and so on, which you know according to the word on the on the grapevine sort of thing, there are definitely going to be more hearings, and some people are saying that's going to be in a matter of weeks. You know, so that's that's where it's really going to start to get interesting. Um, you
1: guys, got any thoughts on what might come up in those future hearings? Yes, yeah, it was one of Mountree that said in his opening remarks that they're open to all hypotheses mm. whatever they may encounter which obviously includes extraterrestrial hypotheses and everything else so it's just it's just mad to hear them saying like we have to consider that this is extraterrestrial or whatever other options there could be that we've talked about but yeah I think hearing I think the closed hearings definitely interesting and uh, just the to know what because during the open hearing there's quite a few They really said save that for the closed hearing we talk about mm. that in the closed hearing that's for the next session but it's like there's going to be a lot more that we're going to be talking about in that and then i guess if there's that much to talk about then yeah there's going to be more in the future and it will just be waiting to just waiting game isn't it to it's a slow slow waiting game but i suppose the last couple of years it's sort of sped up a little bit and maybe with it being more taken more seriously in the Congress, then it will maybe speed up a little bit.
2: I've got a question for you both. So looking back to when the, the Tic Tac video and Gimbal, um, those videos came out a few years ago, when they were released, do could you have thought back then that we would be having these kind of conversations about government having public hearings saying that we don't know necessarily what they are um, and that they're going to be doing more reports into it and all this kind of stuff do did you think you would see that coming a few years ago when that when all those videos come out
0: Well, no, <laughs> not at all. Never in a million years. I mean, I was still trying to wrap my head around the, back then. I was still trying to wrap my head around the, the videos, and you know, I'm relatively new to the, you know, to the to the topic, I suppose. Really, so there was a even that in of itself was, was pretty baffling. And uh, I've heard a few people say, which is a really good point. If you'd have said like even a few days before these hearings. You know the, the the word extraterrestrial would be mentioned, and you know some of the other things that would that, that have come up in terms of like which we'll get into in a minute, the Wilson Davis notes and a few other things like that, crash retrievals. You know, if if even if you'd have said that a few days before the hearings, I never would have believed that th- those words would have even been said. I thought it was going to be a t- like say low expectations. I thought it was going to be mostly downplaying, nothing to see, don't worry about it. There's no national security concerns. And actually, it was again re- reaffirmed that there are national security concerns to do with this. So, yeah, a few years ago when those videos came out, I never would have imagined this. And really, you know, there's some aspects of it I never would have imagined even a few days ago. Really, so you know, for me, it's a uh, there's there's kind of mixed feelings about some of it, but overall, I think it's a, a, a positive first step in the right direction. What about you, Ash?
1: Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised because. Up until quite recently, and when we talk about sort of the whole disclosure thing, we always sort of maintain that they've been lying for 70 years, so why are we now going to suddenly start believing them? Could be lying now, but after that hearing, uh, that is it has changed my mind from seeing the actual questions and responses, the sort of promises that they made going forward. So it has changed my mind that I think this could actually be this could be it now, that we are going to get more truth. They don't, obviously, they're not going to show us everything. If they only show us little bits, I think what they're going to show us is going to be genuine, and it is going to be more open, like than it has been for well since nineteen forty seven when it all started. So it has been a, definitely a positive thing for me.
0: Yeah, I it's mean, t- it's 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 like you say. It's it's uh, there's a lot of promises being made, a lot of commitments to transparency and things like that. It's whether or not we're actually going to see. What's the next step going to be? It's like there was a bit where, um, where where they were asked about Malmstrom Air Force Base, you know, the case where uh, the nuclear missiles were shut down. And mm-hmm. they said that they weren't aware of it, which is pretty pretty baffling Scary. In, and of, in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, a, bit, a little bit worrying, um, you know. Mm. But the thing was with that was that Moultrie actually said um, he was asked to look into it by James Gallagher, uh, pretty sure that's his name, James Gallagher, Gallagher anyway. Um, and um, he he actually said, he said, will you look into it? And he responded, sure, we'll do. You know, and I kind of rewound that about five times. Like, did he really say that? He's actually going to, he's he's committed there on video <laughs> that he's going to look into it. But the, the next step is going to be a case of like, is that actually going to happen? Because previously this whole thing with the UAP task force and whatnot, they pr- tried to make this distinction of, looking at things from 2004 onwards so if you're then talking about asking them to go back and look at cases from the 60s you know they're going to be aware of the fact that that sets a precedent if they actually do look into that then then what else do they have to look into because there's a lot of stuff in there <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. and uh, if they look into Malmstrom that is obviously a massive significant case so you know, maybe they'll do it as a one-off, but it does kind of set a precedent, doesn't it? In terms of like they're going to have to break away from that 2004 onwards thing. Do you think we might end up seeing them, you know, asking questions
1: about Roswell and things like that going forward? I mean, you'd think that's where the, sort of the natural conversation would go. You know, like, obviously, the, the biggest one of all, and the, mm. obviously the records and the original thing saying, "Yeah, source of grass, Blah blah blah. The day after, they retracted it. Well, I think the 2004 thing always annoys me because that's what always makes me think they're only doing it for show, like they're doing what they have to do, because obviously the only, starting 2004, that's when the first video was from, because that was leaked, so they have to go to 2004 because we already have that video. So it's like, so they're only choosing to go from there because we already have that information. That's always sort of, I like, think, oh, they're only doing it because they have to do that.
2: Yeah, their hand was forced. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. like like we we've mentioned before that that that's actually really good for them in a way because then they could discount everything else that's happened before that and i think you've mentioned it before ash so that becomes their kind of okay anything from 2004 onwards and those videos we're we're all quite open with and we're quite happy to start discussing anything before that we don't need to now because kind of not where we want to be. And they can almost discount everything they've ever done as disinformation. Um, all, all the secret projects that have always been sort of like talked about, they can just go, you know what? We don't need to talk about that now because we're focused from 2004 onwards. Mm-hmm. And it it's a nice, although their hand was forced, it's actually quite a nice starting point to clean the cupboard, as it were, of all the skeletons and go do know what you're on about, and then they can go. Oh, I don't. I don't know what that incident was. I'll look into it. Yeah, it's kind I mean. of like, yeah, kind of brush off and say, well, it's, it's it's no relevance to us anymore because it's not it's not current. Mm. So
0: yeah, I, I tend to think that that's again quite a good example of like the mixed feelings I have. The fact that they're looking at things from 2004 onwards is good. You know, because they're looking at things and they're they're at least committing to being open with the public or more open with the public about it. But the concern I have is that the main excuse that they use as to why they can't share more information is because of uh, classified sources and methods. They want to protect sources and methods. And they talked about that. You know, you could have had a drinking game with the amount of times that they said sources and methods in the hearing. You know, it's like it was something they keep going back to. And the thing is, is that anything... back in the 60s or 70s the sources and methods involved with that are not classified anymore because they've obviously moved on massively since then so they can't hide behind that sources and methods defense for things all the way back then i think that's part of the reason that they're doing it because 2004 onwards that's still within the last 20 years so they know that they can't you know they can rely on that sources and methods explanation as to why they can't reveal all the, the the big picture of the cases um yeah so, as I say, for me, that's a bit of a good example of the the mixed feelings that I have about all this. good that there's some transparency, but also worrying that there's things like that going on where they do seem to be hiding behind certain things to give them an excuse to not be
2: more transparent, you know
1: yeah for sure
2: one one other question I wanted to ask you guys about is uh there was one bit that i that sort of piqued my interest. More so than some of the other bits, um, was that Bray mentioned that the Navy and Air Force crew now have step-by-step procedures for reporting UAPs from their cockpit. And I know when you people have spoken before pilots and all that kind of stuff, and they said we'd never mention that because we'd be taken off the planes, we'd be classed as crackers and loopy and whatnot that's quite a big a big thing say well actually we we want you to report stuff to us but do you think they want to they want the reports genuinely or they're just again saying it because it's a public show
1: i think it's a really good thing because it's when they opened up, they're talking about the stigmatism and the ridicule that's gone with it in the past, and they want to basically get rid of that. Mm-hmm. I think with this reporting system, it's going to hopefully, hopefully, help pilots and the other military crewmen have the confidence to come forward and say we've seen some of it. I just thought that was probably one of the best parts of the whole hearing for me was the let's these personnel. Be able to tell us about it, and they're not going to get ridiculed or brushed off or laughed at. I think that was, I think, like I say, after seventy years of them ridiculing it and the Mm -hmm. whole playing the media, so that the general public as a whole ridicules it. Yeah, they're now coming up and saying we need to not ridicule it. So it is definitely a shift change in that approach to it, which I think for me is probably one of the biggest takeaways from the whole hearing.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and I think it's um uh, again as well as the the positive like messaging that they're trying to put forward that they're taking this seriously. There did seem to be, at least on the surface of it, a genuine commitment to reducing the stigma and gathering more reports and things like that, which has got to be a good thing. And even a, a little bit of increased transparency has got to be a good thing. And I think um, there's been a bit of. Uh, debate online and things like that about some of the things that got brought up as well like um you know some of the more controversial cases you know like the wilson notes and things which we'll get into in a second and you know some some of the things like roswell you know some people just see it as mythology even people who are actually interested in the ufo topic there's people who don't think it was anything anomalous and stuff like that but for me I, i think it's really important to to just kind of Get it all in, out in the open air and, and talk about it if they really want to have this commitment to transparency. Then it doesn't matter if you're a, a hardcore like, true believer or if you're a total skeptic or debunker. Surely what everybody wants is as much transparency as we can get within reason, because obviously we have to be reasonable. They're not just going to open the floodgates and let everybody see everything because it'd be a disaster, wouldn't it? Like national security risk and all the rest of it. But what everybody needs is that, you know, the stigma being reduced. Better reports coming in, having a look at some of these old cases like Roswell, like Malmstrom, and and having the the actual, all of the information, or at least as much of the information as you can get out in the open so that everyone can see what's what. And that's how we're going to sort of get answers, really, isn't it, I guess?
2: Do you think uh, it's going to take a while to sort of flip that kind of viewpoint of the stigma attached to seeing a UFO from? Like the, the government side, because for for so long they have, it's been like it's swamp gas, it like it was a lighthouse, um, all those kind of things. And like you say, they it's it's almost been ridiculed to up to certain points, proper ridicule. The media has been absolutely tearing people apart and calling people like lo- essentially coming out and making people out to be lunatics when they're reporting UFO sightings. It, how much work do you think the government's going to need to do? And the government, I mean, US and UK and world governments, if they're going down that route, how much work do you think they're going to need to do? Because I still think that, that some of these professional people will be hesitant to report UFO sightings just because of historical stuff.
1: Mm. In 70 years of... That you try and turn around, isn't it? Yeah. So it's going to be a very slow. Thing. I think it's generally the older generation as well that I probably grew mm. up with. If that's maybe it's going to take yeah. a couple of generations. Yeah. For like,
2: do young, you think like, they're doing the right thing in
1: general?
2: Do you do do you think they're doing
1: it right at the moment? Do you, is it coming across well? From from over here, looking into the US, I think it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. When you look at us in the UK, it isn't. It's just the polar opposite yeah
0: in the us in my from what i what i see yeah mm, yeah I, I think so i i think it's it's good that these that the steps are being taken to you know to break that stigma down and things like that but there's a long way to go with it i mean it's like 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 i said especially here in the uk i feel like we're we're nowhere near the stage that they are in the us with this you know like because it's um a lot of the big news channels are actually talking about this in in the states, and there there have been some bits. Like there was a BBC article, and there's a few other bits. Like obviously, um, you know, the Daily Mail did an article the other day about the aerial school uh, case, yeah. which was writ- written by Chris Sharp, who I've, I, I know really well and who's been on the show a couple of times. And it's great that we've got. I've saying to Chris, it's great that he's managed to basically. Sort of single-handedly changed the way that the mainstream media actually reports on this stuff because he's actually gone in there and written articles now for the Daily Mail, you know, which is mm. really, really kind of, um, in my opinion, anyway. Sort of doing it the right way, you know. It's not ridiculous yeah. stories about little green men. It's it's proper factual reporting, you know. So there are progress being made, but just while you guys were saying that, then I was thinking, if you imagine like other things that that like a society has as a as a as a taboo for example like lgbt things you know like historically it would have been seen as a taboo thing and it's took years and years and years for that to be broken down even now there's still some people in our society who are sort of like homophobic and things like that you know so it takes a long long time for for the the tide to turn sort of thing but you know we're sort of we are seeing the the beginning stages of it but we, we definitely got a long way to go
1: Sure.
0: So yeah, let's dive into um, the Wilson notes. because I'm interested to hear what you guys think about all this. So I was talking to uh, Chris Sharp actually on the show the other day about this and he was kind of saying the same as me. It's like, I've always been a bit on the fence with it myself. I, th- I think it's really interesting. Um, I, I don't know, if you, have you guys looked into the Wilson notes much? I, I don't know if you have, Greg, you may, you may not, not, really have, not have heard my, it. Not myself, I've heard of it,
2: but I don't know the detail.
0: Yeah, so it's it's basically. Uh, what about yourself? Uh, you yeah, saying, really,
1: I'm been aware, I know another gist of it, but not done deep dive deep dives into it.
0: Yeah, so it's it's basically a, um, a sort of like notes taken that describe the the event. It's like mi- uh, minutes of a, of a meeting that took place uh, mm-hmm. in a car, apparently, between Admiral Wilson and Eric Davis. Eric Davis, like a top-level physicist, and Admiral Wilson was very, very high up in the military and had access to a lot of things that a lot of other people wouldn't have done. And apparently, Wilson tried to get access to a program which he was made aware of which was dealing with crash retrievals and reverse engineering of ufo technology and things like that and what they were discussing in this meeting obviously i'm sort of paraphrasing but what they were discussing is wilson's frustrations at not being able to get access to this top secret program dealing with reverse engineering of 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 ufo crashes and um and i've always kind of thought of it as a bit I've been on the fence with it really in terms of whether or not it's legit you know some people say that it's a bit dodgy again there's no consensus really in the sort of in the UFO community about these documents as to whether they're legit and since it got mentioned in the hearings it was then added into the uh, congressional record as well it's kind of ignited a bit more of a conversation around those notes and people like Lou Elizondo and Sean Cahill who have previously refused to actually comment on the notes they just said I can't talk about it I can't go into it they have kind of thrown the weight behind it a little bit and a few other people like Brandon Fugel actually came out. I think it was yesterday or today. Um, he's said on Twitter that he's spoken to people directly involved and he knows that it is a legit set of notes and it, it describes real events. And there's a few other people. It's kind of opened the floodgates, really, having it discussed in the hearings. And um, I wonder whether or not we'll hear more talk ad- of the notes and uh, addressing the existence of these crash retrieval Programs and, and reverse engineering programs. Like I say, it, it's one of those controversial ones that I never expected to come up in the hearings. But there it was, you know, being discussed in that setting was really quite mind blowing, really.
1: So yeah, it's like for me, like with the memo, because like, like, say it was like a conversation in, in one of the guys' cars. Like one thing's always with me, why I sort of never really looked at it, I've sort of written it off straight away when I started looking into it. Like nah, like it's just one of them where it's just like nah, it, it's it's a kind of thing. Like if you're doing a car, who's like why are they taking minutes? It's not like mm. doing a thing. why i doing a car on a conversation, who's taking the minutes? Who's why are they sort of documenting the conversation and how did they get into the hands? It's just I don't know. But like I say, now it's been added officially to the record. It opens it up a little bit more. Just maybe somewhere to go back and look at it properly.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's one that that I've kind of held off on on really sort of taking super seriously because of the, the question marks around it. But but I mean it's again it's gonna be one of those things to keep an eye on, isn't it? As to if it comes up in future hearings and that kind of thing, we hear more more conversations about that. But another one was the uh the tic tac incident that we know and love, the uh Nimitz case. I know you love it, Frank. Yeah, you know me, <laughs> and I should have just called it the uh, the Tac Thinker Podcast. That, would have, <laughs> that probably would have been about right. Uh, but yeah, as soon as uh, as soon as that came up, I was uh, I was all over it again. Rewound it about five times, and unfortunately, there wasn't many follow up questions asked about it. But what he did say was that some of these cases, you know, don't have a lot of data, but other cases do have a lot of data or do have data. He didn't say a lot of data. Um, And one of these is is the Nimitz case, you know, which everybody knows about. And um, that case does remain unsolved. They've not got an explanation for it, even despite having that data. And the problem was for me is that there was no follow-up questions to actually determine exactly what data. I mean, I suppose they might not have been able to say what data it was, but at least some kind of follow-up questions would have been good there. Um, But it was just fascinating to me that that case, you know, was confirmed to be, unsolved even despite the fact that they saw that classified data. So I guess the question with that is, are we going to see any more follow-ups? Is there going to be even more to come out about the the Nimitz case do you guys reckon?
1: Yeah, if you, I'd hope that the other other congressmen and women would have watched this and ignited like interest in them I then to hear obviously the like, Under Secretary of Defence for Intelligence saying we have this object, we have data on it have video of it, and we don't know what it is. It's in our airspace. That's going to be raise a lot more questions in people that maybe didn't have an address previously in the government. Now start of going to think, take notice, and be like, "Hang on, this isn't just a hype thing. Now this is actually something that is genuinely possibly a threat." So that may lead to again more pressure, more getting more information, talking about the case more, and like you think. the I think they it unknown unknowns. That's the uh, term. Yeah, you know, like known unknowns and unknown unknowns, which is what the the Nimitz one was. It was I think that's the funny, funny phrase anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think definitely. I think there's a lot of, especially with the publicity around it as well in in the mainstream media pushing it. I think there's going to be a lot more now. Like it's, it's going to whet the appetite for. media the public and other government officials to be like okay let's let's hear more let's get more answers
0: here's one for you then greg um Mm. do you think at some stage because there wasn't really you know we talked about earlier on in this uh, when we were doing this just now about the the links with paranormal stuff and you know poltergeist activities and some of the high strangeness type of things Mm. and there definitely wasn't really much mention of that in this hearing Uh, at what stage do you reckon we might actually hear them address that type of stuff? I think it's likely you ever will.
2: I don't (laughs) think you ever will because that just opens a whole sort of world of of other stuff. I, I just don't, I think that's too much of a stretch for, for them to say that there's things in people's houses, at least if it's a solid object, that's, Flying in the sky—that's not so close to to people. It's not a close thing. People can just go, "Oh, that's that's up in the sky. That's all fine." I don't, I don't think we ever will, personally. And I know they've, so like CIA and and those kind of um, three-letter departments have flirted with paranormal and telekinesis and. Um, all those kind of remote viewing, but I think because there isn't that solid piece of evidence captured by um, someone in the military that I don't think, it's not tangible. There's video, people posting videos all the time of UFOs. The, you've got the, the Nimitz case with the, the gimbal video. You've got go fast you've got those the TikTok video. It's a solid object to say, come out and say, well, actually, along with that, while we're <laughs> while we're opening Pandora's box, there's these things that move objects in people's houses. Some of them are quite frightening. I, do, I think that's. I would love to, and I know it's the kind of discussions that we will have, but I think, I think that's maybe one step too far. I know I've heard a... I've heard a podcast with a guy who worked for Bass which is Bigelow's um company and he was on Skinwalker Ranch before that uh, Brennan Fugel bought it um and he was on there when Bigelow had it and um he was he was talking on this podcast about the fact that it's not what you think it is at the ranch. There is more poltergeist activity. There is more communication with some entity. But I don't think that would ever come out as a link, as much as I'd love it to. Because mm. if they go poltergeist activity and paranormal are linked and people who see these things tend to have these other experiences, at that point, do you go, well... Wow, while we're at it you know we've been denying bigfoot for all these years <laughs> got something to tell you about that as well so I, I don't know what you guys think i think that's just one one step too far i don't think they could they could come up because they can't control that i don't think
1: not in yeah, people's I think, houses i think officially yeah i agree i mean guy when when you read like Skinwalks at the pentagon um, and talk about the government officials that came back from Skinwalker and believed that they had entities or whatever come back with them and cause things happening in the house. I think it'll always be sort of anecdotal. I don't think it's ever going to be... Like, you know, I don't think we are going to get public hearings on Skinwalker. Or, or Bigfoot, I don't think that's... Uh, yeah, I think that's beyond the realms that, of hope, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hope is a good one. <laughs> public public there was, hearings... Th- th-
1: Public yeah. hearings on
0: Bigfoot,
2: eh? That would be quite <laughs> something to behold, <laughs> wouldn't it? You watch the people come out of the woodwork for that one. Um, I have got – I wrote down a question a bit earlier um, while we're sort of on this kind of subject. And so me and Ash, and I know you will have, Frank. We, we've spoken to many people who have had UFO or UAP experiences. And you've got, like, the Tic Tac and Nimitz – Incident, whatever you want to call it. But when we speak to people who have an experience with UFOs or otherworldly off world creatures or whatever, and the, their experience and their account of what happened is completely different to the kind of solid object or appears to be solid object flying through the sky mm-hmm. that is captured on a radar. And uh, are we ever going to get to the point where they're sort of a bit like the paranormal? Will, will the government get to the point where they go, like, people are being taken, people are having close experiences? But we spoke to Lady Sasha for this week's podcast, and her experience with glowing silver spheres in the garden, close up, um, sun was touched on the foot by something that's completely different to what the tic-tac Nimitz incident is all about. And I just wonder, are we ever even going to get to that point, taking out mm. the paranormal and everything else? These close encounters, are they going to get to a point and go, actually, people are being taken. <laughs> Animals yeah, are being
0: mutilated. or it's, it's, There's a couple of kind of points there. Um, that, that i'd like to make i mean yeah. like first of all the sort of levels to the stigma isn't there i mean I, i've found this myself you know obviously i've been coming to the topic really over the last sort of like three three years i guess three four years i've obviously been interested in it all my life really like science fiction and stuff but you know really yeah. delving in and, and uh and getting deeply into the topic the first thing that you could that you find approachable is is the nuts and bolts side of it, don't you? You know, like, yeah. okay, technology in the sky, I can kind of see how that could work. And and then, obviously, then the next level of the stigma, I suppose, is actual entities or beings or whatever, because as soon as you... that That is closely tied to the little green men ridicule that's been going on for so long, isn't yeah. it? So, obviously, you can see why there's more of a stigma to do with that. But it's, it's weird, isn't it, really, that, like, a, a spacecraft supposedly in the sky, you know, but you can't really the 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 occupants of the spacecraft oh we're not going to go into that you know it's Mm. it's bizarre really how the stigma really works isn't it and then beyond that is interactions with the actual occupants and then beyond even that is abductions and then i suppose even further along the line than that is the high strangeness poltergeist type activities but another um the other point i wanted to make was there's actually um I can't find the details. I tried to just Google it quickly, uh, just uh, a second ago. But one of the actual pilots that witnessed the Tic Tac actually had um, some kind of hanger on, some kind of hitchhiker effect after the, the incident actually happened, and and actually had some kind of strange paranormal things as well. Um, you know, in in the months after, and I've heard Doctor Gary Nolan talk about this, and this is the way that it's made the most sense to me, is that it's almost like obviously this isn't an exact science, but that he kind of explains it as like um you know as a hypothesis kind of thing. Once you've seen something, it, it affects some element of your consciousness and then then you're able to see other things, like perceive things that perhaps you wouldn't have perceived before. And that, that can be on a very surface level, it can be like once you've seen something strange in the sky, you're more likely to look at the sky again you know, so things may have been there and you just wouldn't have been looking up. Like that's a really obvious kind of basic version of this. But also there could be actually something that actually changes like a switch going off in your consciousness where you see something that is so profound that your consciousness is actually altered by that experience. And then it opens you up to actually experiencing other things, completely different things. Like you say, like that, that could explain why you could see a flying saucer And then, you know, weeks afterwards, you see some kind of, you know, dogman creature or something like that, you know. Mm. And again, actually what a dogman represents, you know, the ones that I talked about in Skinwalkers at the Pentagon and things like that, it, it could be an actual entity or it could be some kind of anomalous thing that your brain can't figure out and it interprets it as something you know your imagination conjures something up to just represent whatever that thing is because your brain has no way of making sense of it. I suppose that's a whole other conversation, but yeah, that, that's kind of um, the best sort of uh, explanation that, that I've heard as to how it could link.
2: And also, you think you buy a car, for example, go with me on this you buy a car, and then forever onwards, everybody you see that car everywhere, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's true. <laughs> it's true. You, you, it's like you've never seen it up to that point that you got that car, and after that, everybody's got it. So I don't. It's. I suppose it. it it's almost like awakening as such. I know it's a bit daft to say about a car, but you you you're open to seeing
1: things in a bit more detail that you wouldn't have noticed before. So, like yeah, I bought a on savvy, I never even heard of it, and then I see one every other day. I'm like. <laughs> I kind of Kevin. I am. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah, it's it's a
0: similar <laughs> thing when you learn a new word as well. Uh, I learned I learned right, check this one out. I mean this this, this is referring to like the the surface level aspect of it because I think there's also that aspect of it, as I said, that could be deeper where you experience something truly anomalous and it actually profoundly like changes oh, something within your consciousness. Yeah. But on the yeah. surface level, I I learned I learned I heard the word asinine. Have you ever heard that?
2: I've I have it, heard of it. I wouldn't even
0: know what
1: it was. I not know what it, it was. It was a new
0: one on me. Apparently, well, words quite, you
1: read, but don't even think about Just read it in a context. So I just read that word. I don't know what mean. Yeah, I
0: exactly. Mean. <laughs> but I'd never heard it. And funnily enough, I'm a big UFC fan, and I was watching a, a, a press conference, and there was some trash talk going on. And, and some. it was Donald Cowboy Cerrone, for anybody who's actually interested in who it was. And he Legend. said, uh, blah, 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 blah. That was just asinine to me. And I was like, what? how come i've never heard this word i've got to you know my mid-30s and i've never heard this word and i I googled it i couldn't spell it and stuff and eventually found out it just means stupid it literally means stupid um which i felt pretty (laughs) asinine (laughs) i suppose as well but but then as soon as i'd heard that word then i started noticing people saying it all the time and i was like "How, how has that happened like i just never noticed that word in my whole life so yeah on that surface level that kind of thing definitely can happen can't it yeah, definitely, definitely. There you go. There might that, be A that, few that, listeners have learned a new word there as well, perhaps. I definitely have. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, cool. have you guys got any other uh, thoughts you want to add about the
1: hearings? I think I'm all hearing doubt. Uh, think, yeah. No. For me, sorry, uh, bringing it back to sort of more locally to us, mm. is when they mentioned about the sharing of information with allies. Um, and then again, that's one of them where they said, that's for a closed session. Another one for the close session was the Allies. So, obviously, if we're hopeful that that includes the UK. Um, but they mentioned like China having an investigation thing, France and all this having like official programs. So, for me, that was obviously opened my eyes a little bit to think. We are good to mention in the uh, UAP Task Force report, he mentioned about sharing information with the Allies. Obviously, we're the UK, the biggest ally of the US. Mm. So, surely we have to be involved. In, especially when it comes to the defence and military, we we have to be involved. So we need to start stepping up. If we're not already secretly stepping up, surely we. I think we must have been briefed on something to do with this, these savings and these reports that are coming in. That's something that are, hopefully something will come out of the closed hearing that they can share, or the US or the UK government says, "Yeah, we're going to start doing something, even though how, many, how little it might be." something to say. We're going to reopen Desk or we're going to have a little office that just talks to America about it. It doesn't necessarily have to be investigating it here, but just has has that dialogue between the two countries. So that's for me, something else that stood out was the Allies side of it.
2: Mm. I think um, Nick Pope would love that idea as well, wouldn't he? Get, the, uh, get a desk open again. But I... Um, yeah, I... It just seems that the UK is too, like mentioned at the start, it's too, I don't know, too British to, <laughs> to do it. I don't know what better phrase to use. The Americans, you kind of look at Americans and go, that's the kind of thing that I would expect. But the UK, I think, like Ash said, we are their biggest ally. So there's definitely definitely you've got I've had conversations. But would they come out and publicly say it? I can't imagine Boris taking a conversation at Prime Minister's question times on a Wednesday where Keir Starmer says, So Tammy, what do you know about UFOs? Mm. I d- I, reckon, I can't I can't see
0: it. I reckon there's 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 absolutely got to be something going on in the UK, uh, some yeah. kind of equivalent of A tip or, you know, because at the end of the day we have just as as um, you know, high tech sensor capabilities as what the states has. In some cases, it's the same technology. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we have some things that they don't have, and and you know, they have some things that we don't have. Obviously, that might be the case, but and they they are um,
1: based over here, like
0: ex- exactly. Oh. And and mm-hmm. I was uh, I remember hearing a little while ago this RAF uh, Filingdales, which is a really really advanced. Uh, radar station and they can apparently they can detect something the size of a can of Coke, you know? So if it's really true that uh, Americans have, have been picking these things up on such a regular basis, pilots have been seeing them, they've been interfering in training ranges. It just Mm -hmm. seems completely like illogical that we haven't seen anything. So there must be, if that's the case and if it's even a percentage of what they're seeing over in the U S on either coast of the U S the East coast and the West coast, there must be some department that are monitoring it, taking it seriously. You know, we're not, not just going to here in the UK completely turn a blind eye to that sort of stuff. You know, the, the official, the public face of it is that it's not a national security threat. We're not looking into it. We're not compiling reports. Don't worry about it. And I think that's getting harder and harder of, you know, as as a leg to stand on, sort of thing, because the whole thing is based on the fact that it's not a national security threat, and the Americans, our closest ally, uh, are coming out on a regular basis saying that it is a potential national security threat. It's just a matter of time before you know it gets it gets to the point where they have to admit to at least having something that they're monitoring it with over here. But yeah, it could be a slow progress on that side of things. I fear.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know full Definitely. well from the FOIs how long just exactly. getting a response to one of them takes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. They leave it till the very last day, don't they? <laughs> from my experiences of it, they're supposed to apparently respond in twenty days, and uh, Never it was. Never. It, it, yeah, I actually calculated it, and they ended up getting back to me after the twenty-day limit. Um,
1: but, you say, oh, anyway. Sorry for the delay. COVID. That's yeah. That's what they <laughs> say. Blame COVID. That's why we got we were delayed. I got one back two weeks ago that I put in in December. Wow. Just so, said so sorry for the delay. COVID. Really? Literally, that's all he said.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I sent a letter to my MP. Spent some time on that thing as well, and uh, no reply whatsoever. Just not even a, an acknowledgement of of the receiving it or anything. Um, which is yeah, but that was very disappointing. Funnily enough, he actually knocked on my front door, my MP as well, because of the <laughs> local elections the other day. But I was out at work; I was gutted wow. because I, I would have, I would have been like, "Oh, thanks for popping round, by the way." <laughs> you know, but unfortunately, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, exactly. I wasn't in. That would have been his worst nightmare, probably. But um, I would have been. would more it,
2: obviously? But wouldn't you have been more shocked if he, he knocked on you and goes, "I've just come to discuss"?
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Send me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's much chance of it, but um I'll, no. I'm going to keep going with those those fire requests. Though. I'll be honest, I've actually had some relatively um sort of um you know encouraging responses. Really, I've, I've had a couple of of duffers, but I've had uh, some quite interesting ones. I did one about the um you know uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, Operation Enid. There was a pilot that was supposedly chased a UFO. Um, I forget the date now. It was in the seventies or the eighties. I've got it all in my notes and stuff like that. Uh, a pilot called William Schaffner, who actually chased a—I a, think it was a American pilot. Like I said, I've not got the, the details in front of me. But anyway, it was it was a pilot who chased a UFO and actually crashed his aircraft and died. And um, I, I did a a, re- a request about that, and I actually got a, like a big pack of like twenty five documents. Uh, I think the documents were already available from what I can tell because relatives of the pilot uh, uh, mr schaffner actually um had already requested these documents to be able to get to the bottom of the investigation and and what actually happened to him so it's not like they were new documents but still it was good it was encouraging to at least get something back and there's a couple of others as well that um one that i did with the uh the hydrographic office which is to do with underwater and they deal with just like literally from the surface of the ocean down so nothing in the air but um, they, they got back to me with a, an interesting response, which is quite detailed. And they said that um, they didn't sort of deny that they detect anomalous objects under the ocean, but they said that their systems don't log anything outside of the pr- exact parameters that they're looking for, which is like marine life and you know obstructions that might get in the way of a ship or something. So they didn't directly deny that they had anything, but they just said, you know, our systems filter off anything anomalous, basically. And I'm going to follow that up with another request saying, yeah. well, what happens to those anomalous um, signals that you get then? Do they go to somebody else? Is there any kind of record of them? Is there anything that, you know... So we'll see what that comes back with. But cool. That's cool. Yeah. So I, um, any other bits to, to add, chaps?
2: Only one one other thing. I just, just thought about it. So um, there's somebody that I know um a relative and he is an airline pilot. I mentioned it to Ash some time ago and I've been meaning to speak to him and he has been uh, an airline pilot, uh transatlantic and local flights and whatnot, and he's been a pilot for about 20 years. Um so I actually asked him the question and said have you in your 20 years flying for a very well-known UK um, airline, um, have you seen anything weird in the sky? And I was praying that he would come back and said, "Yes, I've seen seen stuff like that." And he said, "No." <laughs> ah, he's he was like, "No, I haven't." And I, I was I was praying, and I thought he's not going to lie to me. He wouldn't. I don't know why why he would lie to me. But he said no, haven't. Um, I asked him how he would report anything at that point, how he would report stuff that if he did see something, and he said he would just like put it to air traffic control and, and see if they see if they've seen anything. But just thought I I just suddenly remembered that, and I thought I'd just throw that in there as we we're on about reporting of, of sightings. But yeah, nothing. Unfortunately, I was hoping that might have been another episode for us to to crack on through the podcast yeah uh,
0: you know it's a funny one though i've thought about that before because there's other there's other pilots and things that i've that i've spoken to through the show and and you get some people who see things all the time like for example like ryan graves claims to have seen these things like on a basically a daily basis for months and months you know and then you have other pilots who've literally never seen anything and have a long career flying aircraft and what do you guys think that that comes down to? Is it something to do with geographic location, just like there's certain hotspots like the, you know, the east and the west coast of the States, for example, where all these things get reported regularly? Or is it more to do with the individual?
2: Or I, The more I'm listening to stuff, the more I think in this individual because we will speak to people and they, they talk about one experience they've had. And then you talk to them and say, has anything else ever happened to you? And they go, well, yeah, I did see a couple of things when I was a bit younger. Or this thing happened to me when I was little and I didn't. nothing really came of it. Or some people have nothing. Some people have lots. And it, it seems to be the people that have lots and see stuff all the time have always seen stuff all the time. And I think that's... That's, that's what I've picked up on the, the conversations we've had. We spoke to a guy who claims he was being abducted on an almost daily basis, and it started with poltergeist activity and that when he was younger, um, whereas other people have never never had anything at all, and it, mm. which suggests to me that it's got to be individual-based. I ha- can't see how else it is. It could be the fact that people just tuned in a little bit more so they, they see stuff, and like you said, they have you see something, and it's so profound that you have an awakening as such, and you you then see more stuff. But up until that point, you're not you're not seeing anything. I don't know. What do you think? Any, any
0: thoughts on that, Ash? To, uh, to to finish
1: up on. Yeah, no, I I think it is. Again, it's, it comes down to the person. I think a lot of the sightings and stuff that get reported are very personal to that person and even in multi witness events two people witnessing the same thing very different experiences that same sighting i think it's how the person interprets what they're seeing like someone may like like something more open mind might interpret it as something else whereas a person just flash it off oh that's that was nothing edge of a person then goes down the rabbit hole and starts having multiple things it's i think that's what's so, um and for all in about the whole field is just the possibilities and the and, and the questions that just come up constantly and the different questions and the different talking to different people for your eyes and over different things and think about things that you would never have dreamt you were talking about or thinking about. It's just that it's just the journey of it and I think that's what is keeps me especially captivated into just wanting to learn more, just constantly wanting to learn more.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I was looking at um, the the history of evolution of human genetics today, and I was just like, wow. man, about about forty five minutes into it, I was just like, "What has this led me to?" <laughs> it's like, but it's good though, you know, because it's a, it expands the mind and
1: all that sort of thing, doesn't it? Yeah, so, it's yeah. like um, getting into UFO subjects. Make a few years ago, I found out how humans evolve. It's like how how did I get into humans evolving? From UFOs, it's like how but it's all is all linked, and that's when, like yeah, but because, because we stood up, our grip brains grew bigger because the gap between the back of the head or something was wider, so our brains could grow bigger, so we grew more intelligent, and then we evolved into an intelligent species because we stood <laughs> up. Whereas all the other creatures were all four legged, so they oh. brains haven't developed as ours did, and that oh. then got to get some future human. That, that's the greatest. Well, I won't go into that here, but that's just one of the, the theories behind what aliens or visitors are but yeah, yeah just talk how how it went from a uh, looking to UFOs in the sky got me learning about how humans evolved how it is all linked it's just like it's just crazy to, what you learn
0: it is indeed so I think um, uh, unless there's anything else that you guys want to add probably a no, good time to right. sort of yeah, wrap it up. Good so yeah, yeah i hope hope people have enjoyed listening to this a bit of a new thing with the, the we're planning on doing it every month guys is that the plan yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, roughly around about the end of every month do a little round up and we're going to try and it's a bit of a relaxed kind of conversation type of vibe isn't it and we're going to bring in a few other people as well as we go along and just try and get loads of different viewpoints and uh, have some good conversations hopefully so uh, we'll leave it there all right chaps Thank you. Catch you next time. Nice. See you next time.